Hi friends, this is Rick Lee James, host of Welcome to the Neighborhood, a Mr. Rogers Tribute podcast. This is a special bonus episode. Newsweek on November 5th is releasing a new special edition magazine dedicated to Fred Rogers. And today I get to share with you my conversation with Tim Baker, who is the editor of this issue of Newsweek. It's a really great conversation and I think you're going to love what Tim has to say. They took some really great care with Fred Rogers and his legacy in this new issue. And I hope that all of you will go out and buy a copy of it when it releases on November 5th. So thank you for listening to Welcome to the Neighborhood. We have a number of other bonus episodes coming up, including our conversation with Tom Juneau, whose story is really what is the basis of the new movie that's coming out with Tom Hanks. And I'm just so excited to be able to share this with you today. So thank you to Newsweek for including us and letting us be a part of sharing about this great new issue. All right, enjoy the show. Fred Rogers, known to generations of children as Mr. Rogers, built a legacy of compassion and empathy through his decades of children's programming. In a new special edition issue, Newsweek takes us beyond the neighborhood to discover not only Mr. Rogers' impact on the lives of millions of children, but also the continuing traditions instilling his philosophies of care to today's generation. This Newsweek special edition also gives an inside look into the new film tribute, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, featuring Tom Hanks as everyone's favorite neighbor. Tim Baker is the editor of this special Fred Rogers edition of Newsweek, and he's here today to offer us a behind-the-scenes look. Tim Baker, welcome to the neighborhood. Thanks for having me. Well, Tim, first, I want to commend you and your team on a job well done. This Newsweek special edition is a beautiful tribute to Fred Rogers. I'd love for you to give us your thoughts. Why is Fred Rogers deserving of his own special edition of Newsweek in 2019, more than 15 years after he passed away? Well, I think that part of why we chose to do it, in addition to the uh, the film coming out, so there's a, a little bit of a blip on the pop culture radar where people are sort of rediscovering a figure from their childhood and, you know, their, for older folks, their children's uh, younger days. And it is about 15 years since he passed, and uh, just sort of in general in the special editions business, we, we look for those sort of anniversaries to sort of act as a a commemorative or a, a reminder just to sort of create our own blip on that on that same cultural radar if we uh, excuse me if we can but um just from a content point of view the reason why I lobbied for uh, Fred Rogers magazine at this point is because a lot of the special editions we have the opportunity to do based on the calendar and uh, events in this year and the coming years. We've had a lot of World War II anniversaries and uh, Vietnam anniversaries and sort of a lot of political and uh, just in general heavier stuff that it's important for a publication like Newsweek when we're working for them to uh, sort of cover that too, but it's not necessarily everything that's important. Well, and Mr. Rogers offers a, a sort of 
entree into talking about things that are less heavy but no less important. Certainly. Well, what kinds of things are people going to find when they open the pages of this very special Fred Rogers edition of Newsweek? Well, first of all, there's going to be um, just some background information to sort of take you back, set the stage. Um, as, as I found out while I was making this magazine and sort of writing the content and researching and looking through everything, is that you really forget how much of a presence Mr. Rogers was in uh, in pretty much everybody's childhood up until he went off the air. And for me, especially when I was growing up, I had new episodes of Mr. Rogers, but also this incredible backlog of decades that was just on in the morning, and it was there. And um, we we tried to really take you back into that content as much as possible, just sort of remind you how much there is. Mm. And then after after that, we get into what um, what he was doing this for, what the neighborhood achieved, and what his legacy is. And um, we, we were able to work with the executive director of the uh, Children's Museum of Pittsburgh, where they have a lot of the props on display and where Fred Rogers is kind of a, a looming presence there in terms of their philosophy and how they hope the museum works moving forward. So she was a great resource in terms of having someone who worked with Mr. Rogers on a daily basis, just giving us some, some local color. And then um, there's also a sort of short biography of Mr. Rogers that we're pretty proud of in there. Hmm. It's... Um, it's difficult to take a, a long life and one that was so long in the public eye and turn it into something that's, you know, eight pages with a, a bunch of nice pictures in there, too. But it's something that when you're doing a special edition like this, you kind of have to aim for so that uh, you can give everybody a, a look at the depth of, of how important he became. Well, with all the work that you did, I'm amazed that you were to, to do it so well and to do such a wonderful overview because you're right, there is so much information out there about Fred and so much that he accomplished in his life. I, I wonder, is there anything that you personally learned about Fred in the course of creating this issue that surprised you or, or that even really just had an effect on you in a new way? I think that what really struck me the most was when I was watching interviews with him, particularly with uh, the American Academy of uh, Archive of American Television, rather, that he wasn't just a naturally gifted performer, which he was, and, and gifted writer. And when you watch The Neighborhood, it's, it's always very... He's not just a calming presence because he was um, a calm person. He was know, working very hard at that persona on screen, and he was doing it for a reason. Yeah. But he was, he was also a, um, a real scholar of uh, children, uh, child development, and of media, and of music. And in these interviews on the, for the Archive of American Television, which are on YouTube, they're from 1999, and um, they're worth watching for for anybody who's who's a fan he goes into some real uh, 
detail about exactly the science of what he was what he was trying to achieve. Hmm. I was just very very impressed by the amount of thought that went into every episode, and there are tons. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. And as I was looking through the the issue, um, I, I really enjoyed um, the list of, uh, for instance, the the honorary doctorates that Fred was given. And and Doctor Rogers doesn't have quite the same ring to it as Mister Rogers. Uh, but one of the things that your issue highlights is how many honorary doctorates he was given. And I think that was around thirty. And your issue also highlights. Um, some of the other amazing awards that were bestowed upon Fred. I wonder if, just off the top of your head, are, are there any other awards that you can think of that were significant that people may not realize that he had received in his life? Well, I mean, the the one that I really uh, am, am sort of attached to just because it's, it's the field I'm in is he won a 25 years of uh, sort of like a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Peabody Awards in mm. 1992. And that's just, it's sort of um, like a sort of journalistic Pulitzer Prize. And um, people like uh, Stephen Colbert got it for uh, the Colbert Report. And it, it's sort of something that people get across media. And it's sort of, it, it's impressive to me that... Yeah. As a child, as someone who made children's television for the Peabody Awards, to recognize you, that is is impressive to me, and sort of also opened the door to people like Colbert later on doing his uh, satire and his weird comedy could also be recognized as significant. I think Mr. Rogers has a lot to do with opening minds sure. in that sort of way. Sure. Well, that's amazing. Well, there's lots more to learn about uh, the, the honors that he received inside your issue. And, you know, a few moments ago, you mentioned that one of the things that, that Newsweek often covers are important political moments. And uh, and while Fred never got political in his life, uh, in your issue, you report on a very significant time in 1969 when Mr. Rogers went to Washington. And I wonder if you could explain to us just briefly why that 1969 visit to Washington, D.C. was significant. Well, in 1969, the Nixon administration was holding hearings on whether or not they should continue to fund public television as a, as a, federal, or a, as a federal subsidy. And Mr. Rogers basically went and, in very Mr. Rogers fashion, calmly explained why he felt what he was doing on um, on the neighborhood was important. And he basically sat before a group of senators, which in 1969 was a lot of burly, cigar-smoking, uh, older, powerful guys who... Mm -hmm were looking down at this skinny TV personality from Pittsburgh. And uh, the the chairman actually said as much, and he said, I'm, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, but, uh, it, but he got goosebumps from Mr. Rogers <clears throat> sort of giving his defense of if he can reach one child with an important message, 
then everything he does is worth it because essentially what he's implying is that child could one day sit where the chairman, Senator John Pastor, was mm. then. And basically, despite the fact that the Nixon administration was pretty hard-nosed about shrinking what we were spending money on, uh, they really listened to what he had to say and gave uh, gave back the $20 million budget for the next year so that they could continue making educational programming. Wow. That is a, a powerful story, and it's one of my favorites. I appreciate so much the way that you cover it in the issue. Well, because I run a Mr. Rogers Quotes account on Twitter, I'm so happy to see that there are a number of Fred Rogers Quotes in this special edition of Newsweek. And on his show, Fred was having conversations with children, but as your issue points out, his insights talking to adults were just as valuable. And you have a picture in the magazine of Fred Rogers on the set of his 1978 television show, which was for adults, called Old Friends, New Friends. I personally have never seen an episode of that show. I wonder if you would be able to tell us a little bit about that. Well, I actually wasn't able to find an episode either, but I was able to read a fair amount about what it was. And they made 20 episodes, so a, a pretty full season, not a full season of The Neighborhood, which, like we've talked about, had hundreds and hundreds, but mm -hmm. it's a solid season, and it was made in 1978, and it was basically a response to something that we see now as well, which is sort of generational rift and generational conflict, and what Mr. Rogers did was sort of highlighted friendships across generations and um, sort of colleague relationships across generations and ways that people of different ages and with different viewpoints could share valuable experiences together. Hmm. Well, I hope they'll maybe release that one of these days. I'd love to see. The only thing I've seen are clips, uh, mostly that was in the documentary last year, Won't You Be My Neighbor? But I'm fascinated to see what Mr. Rogers talking to adults is like. But I, I so appreciate that you included that in the issue as well. And in this issue, you also, of course, go behind the scenes of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood quite in-depth, and, and you explore many of the characters that are featured on the show. And uh, it was a diverse cast in the neighborhood. And what is most striking to you about the different uh, types of people that Fred chose to feature on his show? I think that, and this is something that's throughout the, the neighborhood in general, is that nobody that you see on the neighborhood is a sort of Hollywood-looking person that you're going to see on a on a on a nighttime drama. Mm -hmm. They're all real people that you would see if you actually walked into a bakery or uh, called your handyman or saw someone reading poetry in a park. They always look authentic, and part of that is that they're not perfect in terms of really anything. Uh, they're they're real. Yeah. Uh, they're divorced. They have injuries. They have insecurities, and sort of everybody he features on the show is shining through their uh, 
flaws is, is the wrong word, but it's the one I'm going to use. They're shining through their flaws rather than um, in spite of them. Hmm. Well, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was, was also known for puppets. And it's interesting because the puppets on the show were not necessarily um, puppets like you would see on Sesame Street, for instance, which were actually Muppets where the mouths would move. And, and there wasn't anything that was uh, really uh, difficult, really, about the puppets. Other, it, it relied on imagination completely. And there have been some theories that the many aspects of Fred Rogers' personality that the public didn't always see came out through these puppets. Is that something that you also kind of found in your research, that the different facets of his personality really came through when he was using these puppets? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you bring up an important point, is that when we're seeing the, the puppets on the neighborhood, we're seeing Fred Rogers interacting through the puppets. We, he's not hidden like the Muppets puppeteers or um, you know, a traditional marionette puppeteer. He's there, and he's interacting. And even as kids, we know that King Friday's voice is Fred Rogers mm -hmm. putting on a voice. Um, and I think that that's important because it's upfront about he's pretending to be these characters. And part of that is that they really do allow him access to parts of his personality that Mr. Rogers, the character on the neighborhood, doesn't get to share all the time. And um, one quote I remember from the from the book is that his wife Joanne said that Daniel Tiger was the the real Fred when she watched uh, Fred doing hmm. Daniel Tiger. It was the the Fred that she knew, her husband, the Fred from home, basically. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've heard that too, and uh, I, I think it's always fascinating that uh, the way that Fred would use uh, the, uh, the reliance upon imagination of the children who were watching the show uh, to, to bring life to those puppets as well, as they didn't move their mouths and they didn't blink and they didn't do a lot of the things Muppets did. But I love the way that they bring out different aspects of his personality and, and they help us to know how to respond to things we're feeling. So it, it's a great thing that you highlighted those in the issue. And one thing that people may not know as well about Fred, or maybe they've forgotten, is what a prolific songwriter he was, writing over 200 songs. And he, he wrote all of the music for the show. And I was so pleased to find that you were highlighting some of the music from the show as well and I just wonder was it hard for you to narrow down which songs to feature in this special issue because there are so many it was and again my guide there was this interview he did with the Archive of American Television where he goes into a lot of detail with some of these songs and they're, they're the ones that I chose largely about uh, where he was mentally when he was writing them, what he was thinking about. Um, and they, they're they the ones that, that resonated with me just because I had that background information. Mm -hmm. But then I, I, I filled in the rest because we do dedicate a, a, quite a few pages to the songs just because we try to um, write, write the lyrics out in, in full so that you can appreciate them. But I filled out the, the rest basically with, with ones that I 
knew and remembered and mm. affected me as a child, and that's sort of something fun that I get to do as an editor where <laughs> it become, it's important to me, so it gets to go in. But I try not to do that too much, and I did use the, um, the Archive of American Television as a guide for, for most. I love that, though, that you were able to, to put a little bit of, of your personal memories into that. And that actually leads into one of my last questions here today, because this issue, it really does share a lot. And I, again, you're to be commended, because I know it must be hard uh, to put all of this into just one issue, but you did a great job. And inside the issue, we also get to see letters from children to Fred and his responses, uh, lessons for adults from Fred. We get to see about books that he wrote, uh, new Fred Rogers-inspired shows like Daniel Tiger. Uh, I also love how you share some of his cultural impact in the things that are happening like museum exhibits, and there are artists who have been inspired uh, to create because of Fred. And, and one of those forms of art is this new film featuring Tom Hanks as Fred Rogers. And I wonder, have, have you had the opportunity to see the film yet yourself? I haven't had the opportunity to see the whole film. I was able to view a couple of clips that uh, we received as press, but I was I was really struck by a the fact that Tom Hanks isn't um, he's not doing a Fred Rogers impersonation, mm-hmm. but he gets the tempo and the um, the sort of the weight of Fred Rogers' voice, that calming weight, he gets it very well. But he's not trying to mimic his voice at all. I was super impressed by that. Uh, And uh, also that the film really isn't... It's not a a Fred Rogers biography. It's really about the... uh, It's about a journalist interviewing Fred Rogers and sort of relearning about life as he talks to Mr. Rogers, and that's, I think, a key aspect of the of what the film is is going to be, wow. because it it gives us a window directly into the advice rather than just <clears throat> excuse me telling the story of Fred Rogers' life. Well, that's so good to hear. We had Tom Juneau on the show uh, a while back, and it'll be released actually after uh, this episode is, and it was wonderful to get to hear his his insights as the one that really the movie is based on his story, and, and he said some similar things, and it sounds like the movie is really in good hands, and it's fun to see some of the, the pictures uh, from the film and some of the behind the scenes in this issue as well. Well, I think my last question for today is going to be uh, sort of a, a personal question uh, to you about your favorite Fred Rogers moment. I think it would be truly impossible to showcase all of the meaningful and significant Fred Rogers moments in any one medium, but do you personally have one that just stands out to you that you say, yeah, that's the moment that just really makes me think of Fred? Well, for me, before I started making this issue, the moment that popped into my mind when I when I heard that this was a possibility that we might be exploring was when he visited the Crayola factory in 1979. Oh yes, because that that was um, I had seen it on a rerun in the early 90s, and I grew up in New York, and it's not that far of a drive. So my parents said, you know what, we can. We can actually do that. We can go and, and do what Mr. Rogers did. So that was always a great memory for me. But 
once I started making the magazine, the moment that really sticks out to me now is when he visited with Coco the Gorilla because mm. <clears throat> she's a figure that I had written about before, specifically with her um, relationship with Robin Williams where they sort of met a couple of times and interacted really well. And then when Robin Williams passed away, they um, videotaped uh, people going to tell Coco and she, you know, remembered him and was sad about it. And, uh, having Mr. Rogers be another window into that sort of cross-species relationship where it epitomizes the optimism of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood to me, where it makes you feel that uh, feelings and emotions are more universal than we give them credit for. Yes. Well, Tim Baker, it has been a real pleasure being able to visit with you today. Uh, we are so excited about this new issue, which uh, I believe comes out in the United States and Canada on November 5th, unless I'm mistaken. And uh, I want to thank you for taking some time today to, to highlight this special edition of Newsweek focused on the life of Fred Rogers. And I encourage all of our listeners to go out and pick up a copy. And I want to thank you again for stopping by our podcast neighborhood today well thanks again for having me it's been great thank you so much for listening to this special edition bonus episode of welcome to the neighborhood a mr rogers tribute podcast music today on the show was nouvelle noel by kevin mcleod i do want to make a quick request to those of you who might listen using apple podcasts or whatever podcatcher you listen through if you could leave us a review that helps us so much and it gives us a lot more visibility if you want to tweet about us or put a message on facebook we always appreciate those things and we really appreciate all of you and love to hear from you and what you think of the show uh, we have several bonus episodes ahead so we are not done yet even though season one is over with so keep listening and until next time remember you make each day a special day you know how by just your being you. There's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.